Are you looking to reach your full potential and achieve success in business and in life? Want only tried and tested guidance from people who have truly made an impact? You have come to the right place. Welcome to Five Questions with Dan Shabell. New York Times bestselling author Dan Shabell distills the most actionable and tangible advice from a variety of world-class humans, including entrepreneurs, authors, Olympians, politicians, billionaires, Nobel Prize winners, TED speakers, celebrities, astronauts, and more. Inspirational guidance, practical advice, and concrete solutions. Our 15-minute power chat starts now. Welcome to the 28th episode of Five Questions with Dan Shabell. As your host, my goal is to create the best advice from the world's smartest and most interesting people by asking them just five questions. My guest today is rapper and political activist Killer Mike. Born Michael Santiago Render in Atlanta, Georgia, he was the son of a policeman father and a florist mother. In 1995, while attending Morehouse College, he met the producers, the Beat Bullies, and Big Boy of Outkast. His music debut was on Outkast's 2000 album Stanconia with the song Snappin' and Trappin' and later was part of their single collaboration The Whole World, which won the Grammy Award for Best Rap Performance by a Duo or Group. After being featured on Jay-Z's album The Blueprint 2, he released his own album Monster with the hit single Adidas. He has released other albums including two I Pledge Allegiance to the Grind albums, Pledge and Rap Music. He's been featured in films including Aqua Teen Hunger Force, Baby Driver, South Park, and is the host of Trigger Warning with Killer Mike on Netflix. Killer Mike opened up a barbershop called Graffiti Swag Barbershop in Atlanta with artwork honoring historical black leaders like Martin Luther King Jr. He's been a social and political activist on topics like social equality, police brutality, and racism. If you could change one thing about American politics, what would it be and why? Man, hell of a question. You, you want to say the big audacious stuff like let's take money out of politics, let's get corporate greed out of politics. Um, and all that stuff is true. I just don't think it happens from a national perspective. I think that on a local level, that needs to start. So on a very local level, I would want constituents to get radically and much more active on a local level. And the reason I would change that is because if we look at all the national policy that's going on there, it started from local grassroots organizations pushing the line, um, especially around issues like cannabis. Um, I would say for as long as I've been alive, I've seen an organization like Normal try to push the line on marijuana legalization. And that has morphed into what I will in my lifetime see the ending of the drug war. I think that, that certainly on a local level, the people who have suffered under the drug war should have more local control. I don't think, you know, it, the national precedent for that would be the civil rights bill. But I think that on a local level, we should fight to have it reflected in that. So if you look at a state like Georgia, if black people make up 35% of the population of Georgia, then there's no reason, honestly, 35% of the marijuana legislation should be allocated toward those people or at least a five to ten percent marker for those people who've been most dramatically affected so for me it would be for americans to get much more radically active um if i just had one sweeping national policy to pass it would be the eradication of the drug war and, and federal sentencing policy where does your entrepreneurial spirit come from i'm black and as long as i've been alive in america black men have been greater unemployed than any other group of people so um, it wasn't an option. It wasn't a spirit that overcame me. It was just my spirit necessity. My grandfather worked a regular job five days a week, and then he drove, he, he drove dump trucks on the weekend. 
for a black man who owned several dump trucks and needed drivers. So in my community, all I saw was black entrepreneurship. I knew that land ownership, um, whether it was renting or using the land to grow crops, people's money. And I knew that I was never fit to work a job. I owe so many jobs their money back because I was a lazy bum on them because I was uninspired to work for them. How do you weave in your social and political messages into your music and Netflix show? I weave it in just by doing that. I understand that people don't want to be preached to, and I'm in no way a preacher, or I don't declare myself a leader of an organization that's going to march you mightily into a new future. But I am as a regular guy that's managed to pick up some good advice, and I try to share that freely. But I am as a curious child that says why and why not, and I try to put those things in my music and in my art, simply because I think that's what artists are supposed to do. We're supposed to challenge perceptions. We're supposed to walk up to our own fears and unmask them, and we're supposed to push society to do the same. So hopefully I'm doing my part as an artist. How do you manage being a husband, father of four, and business owner at once? That's a very difficult thing to manage. Two days ago, I was sitting with a billionaire at a breakfast table, taking some critiques on my business and how to help it grow. You know, yesterday I was a husband that sat by my wife's side all day because another husband had been murdered. And without even saying, I knew that she did not want me out in the public. And the call I made before you called was my daughter, Mikey, who missed dad because he was sleeping. Now she's in Tennessee. And I was checking on her and her field trip. So I don't know how I do it. I just know that I do it. You know, I, what, I, what I do know is I'm no hero and I'm not special because there are thousands of mothers and fathers and millions across this country that are doing much harder without, you know, much, much harder work without the, um, without the support system I have. I have a heavily supported family and I have the means to, to, you know, to circumvent some things other people aren't. So when I write just regular middle-class dad, my life is more reflective on those people. So I go get my own groceries. I take out my own trash, much like the people who raised me did and much like thousands and millions of people around the world, around the country. And what's your best piece of career advice? My best piece of career advice was something that was just given to me. The Hawks owner, I, I talked to him earlier in the year. He said, Make sure you're saving 30% of your gross. You know, make sure you're saving. You know, and my daughter and I gave her $200 for a field trip. We took 30% of it out, gave it to her mother, said this is going to be for your mother to save, and the remainder will be will be your money's on the field trip. But every dollar you get, you'll be saving 30 cents because that's what dad's going to be doing. So the best career advice I could give to anyone is to save 30% because, you know, once you start getting a little older, like I never understood my grandparents that you don't want to have to work as hard. So save 30 cents on every dollar you make. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, Killer Mike. To follow his journey, you can watch his Netflix show, Trigger Warning with Killer Mike, and find him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, where he shares his music, inspirational quotes, live appearances, and pictures with family and friends. We hope you enjoyed today's show and the amazing advice our guest provided. Remember that you can only benefit from advice if you can act on it. Before you do, we would appreciate your feedback in form of a review. You can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or a podcatcher of your choice. Your feedback would be very much appreciated. Head over to danshawbell.com review now.